Hi, this is Fostered Hope, and I'm your host, Jordan Huffman. Today, I had the pleasure of speaking with Kim Conrad about her ties to the foster care system, and I can't wait for you all to hear about it. My name is Kim Conrad. I am a permanency social worker with Children's Home Society of West Virginia. I am currently in graduate school working on my master's of social work degree, and I am a mom to two kids. Okay, awesome. So when you went to school, you you went to school for social work? Yes, I have currently have my bachelor's of social work, and I am a licensed social worker. Okay, so what made you make the decision to go back to get your master's? I'm not sure. A lot of the other girls I work with were going for it, and um, it's something I've always kind of wanted to go for at some point in my life, Mm -hmm. and I decided just to take the plunge with everyone else. Mm, That's awesome. When you graduated high school and you started out thinking about career choices, was social work your your first thought, or what led you to this career? It was not. Um, I was a teen mom when I graduated high school, and I had lots of people um, encouraging me to pursue a career that, you know, I could take care of myself and my oldest child. Mm -hmm. So I actually started out going to school for nursing and was over halfway through when I was burnt out and just knew it wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I took some time off. And I had a family member that went through the CPS system with trying to get custody of their child um, due to an abuse and neglect case. And being able to work with them on that and just see everything, I kind of had that epiphany of this is where I'm supposed to be and what I'm supposed to do with my life. Wow, that's cool. I have a couple friends who aren't um, caseworkers. But one of my friends went to school for social work, and I was still in high school at that time. And I remember talking to her about it. And I think she works with um, I don't ex- I remember her exact job title, but um, drugs and addiction. And she is I don't know exactly what she does, but I just remember thinking that that was so cool. And my family, I don't know how much Ryan told you, um. But when I was younger, it's just it was just me and my mom. And then I saw a, what is it called? A billboard mm-hmm. for Try Again Homes yeah. in West Virginia. And I was like, Mom, what's that? And she told me. And I was like nine years old, I think. And when she told me, I was like, we should do that. And she was like, you're nine. You have no idea what that means. Like, no. <laughs> and um, I just kept badgering her about it. And then finally she was like, okay, fine. And so then we got she got certified. Um, took, you know, like a year and a half. And then eventually we adopted my two siblings. So I have always thought about something in this realm, but never ended up really going for it. But that's cool that you, that you, you know, figured it out. Yeah, um, we ha- we always say that social workers don't become social workers for the money. We become it because we all have had that aha moment or we're trying to save a part of ourselves that, um, you know, wasn't saved when we were younger. Right. So specifically, what is your role with, uh, you said it was CPS? Children's Home Society. It is a child welfare agency in West Virginia. 
Okay. You are just like children's, children's like caseworker, like social worker. Yeah. So um, I am what is considered a permanency social worker and I do case management. So when CPS removes a child from their biological family and places them into one of my foster homes, I am in charge of that child's complete case management and care Mm -hmm. from the day they come in um, throughout the entire court process for their parents um, until either they can successfully reunify with their biological parents or if, on the other hand, termination happens, I go through the adoption process with them and finalize the adoptions. Okay. So on average, how many cases do you specifically have like at a time? For my agency, a max caseload is considered 10 to 15 kids, but I have had 26 kids at a time before. Oh, wow. What's that like having that many? Um, It's a little hectic. Uh, I think every day in life of a social worker dealing with the CPS system is always a little hectic. Um, But with that many kids on your caseload, you don't always feel like you can give every kid your all, but you make it work. Right. I had interviewed uh, a girl a couple weeks ago and she worked for CPS and then later she ended up adopting two of her own children. And so we were talking about her caseload, but not for, you know, social worker, but for CPS. And she told me at one time, like when she was leaving, because she said the workload just became way too much for her to handle. She had like 45 like cases at one time. Yeah, they are vastly um, overbooked and really understaffed, causing them to have such high caseloads. Right. What has been your biggest struggle working in your agency or like with foster care specifically? Um, I think some of the biggest struggles with working with the foster care system is that there's still so much on the policy and legislation level that's so behind the times and getting caught up as well as, um, you know, I mean, we don't, we don't want kids to be in foster care and to be in foster care any longer than necessary. Right. Um, but sometimes their parents' cases get pushed through quickly and it just leaves an uneasy feeling about their full safety and stability if they reunify and go home to their parents. Um, You know, a lot of people think that when a kid comes in foster care, the case focuses on them. And while parts of it do, that main court case and CPS case focuses on their biological parents. Right. And then fixing their pro- their problems and issues that led to the child being removed so that way they can go back home, which is, you know, that first and ultimate goal. Yeah. But um, I see more and more where in a lot of cases it's rushed when those biological parents show a desire to do that mm-hmm. and they aren't given, you know, those extensions and extra time and services and support to really ensure that they're going to stay on that track. Right. Has that been frustrating for you at times? Like when most of, not most of your job, but a good part of your job is more focused on the biological parents? It is. Um, it really can be. I I have worked with some really wonderful 
biological parents that, you know, just got caught up in some bad decisions or have lived in a cycle of poverty and violence and trauma. Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, their wake up call to find the resources and services they needed and got their kids back. And I still have a relationship with those kids and those parents when I see them. And it's absolutely wonderful. But for these kids advocating what's best for them is sometimes difficult within the court system. Right. After, okay, so say a child reunifies with their biological parents. Do you, say you said you had, you know, would still have some of a relationship with some of them. Is that normal? Like, are you specifically supposed to keep in contact with them? Or is that more of like a CPS? Um, Honestly, no, it's not normal. Um, Once a child is discharged from our care, like being reunified back home with their biological parents, it's really essentially done on our end as well as CPS may stay involved for, you know, maybe 30 more days just to ensure that everything's okay. And then they're done as well. Um, But we're trying to gear more foster families and more biological families to, you know, maintaining that relationship and communication between each other for those kids. And we have some families that have done um, tremendously well and, have maintained those relationships and they, you know, still see that previous foster child and they help those biological parents. And those are typically the cases that I then, you know, see these biological parents and previous foster children because I still work with their foster families. And it's, it's a wonderful thing to have that much support for that child. Right. Do you feel like there should be more involvement either from, your end or from the CPS end after a child is reunified? I think it really is a case-by-case thing. Mm -hmm. Really, after a kid is reunified, it's some of the service providers that may still be involved for that first 30 days, helping more so than the CPS workers. Um, But, you know, many service provider agencies are in the same boat that I am and that CPS is in of just not having the staff with all of the incoming newer cases taking up that time right okay so what has your biggest struggle been with working directly with the system boy that's that's a difficult one Mm -hmm. um I guess my role is kind of like the middleman jack of all trades master of none with connecting kids to the resources they need and trying to help the family understand and work with those resources as well mm-hmm. and so in many times within the foster care system um you know my voice as their case manager kind of gets put off sometimes because they're focusing so much on what these biological parents need, which is just as important. Right. But my voice for these kids and advocating for these kids can get lost in it all. Right. Yeah, that must be frustrating. I think that, you know, I was thinking, as I've been doing this, I was thinking about from all angles, like what I would feel like. But from definitely a caseworker angle, I feel like I would be wanting to do more, you know, like there's obviously restrictions like with court and all the rules that are put into place. I feel like I would want to, if, you know, I felt like there was a right way or like this was something that needed to be done, but I wasn't allowed to do it. I feel like I would get so frustrated. 
It can be really frustrating. I know at least for the agency I work with myself, um, you know, we, these kids and our foster families and even some of these biological parents become part of our families and just all of them not getting their voice heard and what they need help with taken care of in a timely manner and to the best of anyone's abilities is beyond frustrating. Right. So you would say that portion would be your biggest struggle or? Um, maybe. Honestly, it really just depends on each day in the case as to what the biggest struggle is. Right. Right. Every case is definitely different. What has been your favorite part about working with the system? The kids. Um, and that's, that's kind of cliche, but... These kids are why I get up and do it every day and what I love about my job. Right. Yeah. Um, I get kids on my caseload anywhere from, you know, brand new day old baby to 17, 18 years old. Mm-hmm. And getting to watch these kids grow and thrive and learn and overcome trauma and everything else is inspiring of how resilient they are um i also i I love when reunifications happen successfully i love when that child gets to go back home to this family that they love and i also love the bittersweetness of adoptions and forever families yeah i remember i was it was 2015 so i was 14 yeah i was 14 when we adopted my siblings and it was I remember it being obviously like super, like, you know, a big deal, but being that young, like, I just remember being in the courtroom and, you know, like not a ton of people are there, you know, yeah, it's just super small and like intimate, which is great. But I just remember thinking like, this is such a big deal for like our family. I wish like everyone could be here to see it, but yeah. And I, I love it with adoption days with, my kids that get adopted because you have the ages of, you know, babies and toddlers that this family is all they've known. But then on the other hand, I have teenagers that get adopted and you can't help but have tears of joy during it because someone has showed up for them and not given up on them. Do you think that you take your work home with you a lot? Like, you know, that saying like, Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, I do. I I fully believe everyone involved in the foster care system takes their work home with them to an extent because, you know, I mean, kids and families and parents are going to have crises or accidents or wonderful accomplishments mm-hmm. that you want to share with the people that love your kids. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that I when I was thinking about going into social work or even like psychology and like therapy, I just I'm I think I would be great at doing something like that because I feel like I'm compassionate, really empathetic, like would work hard for the children, but I would think I would be a wreck mentally if something wasn't going the way I thought, you know, it should. Yeah, I mean it it is very mentally and emotionally taxing at times because I mean, like you said, you you do this job because you care. Right. And so that can be difficult. But that's where having a great 
team of coworkers comes to save the day essentially because you have each other to lean on and balance off of. Right. Exactly. Do you often have to go to court for each case? Like, is that a mandatory thing that you have to do often to be updated or do you mostly get like sent the updates and you don't have to go to court all the time? No, I go to court for each of my kids. Um, There are very few judges or counties that won't allow us in. So as long as we are allowed to attend, we are there to know what's going on and know right away any changes or updates or anything going on. When you have like a higher caseload, is it like harder to get to every single like court date or are they like spaced out enough that you don't really have that much of an issue with that? Um, It kind of just depends. I mean... Hearings can be anywhere from like two weeks, 30 days, 45, 60, 90 days apart. So, you know, it's all in the time management and it can be a little difficult with going back and forth between things. Um, But overall, it is manageable. After working directly with the system and knowing as much as you do about it, would you ever consider fostering yourself one day? Yeah, um, it's actually something I have wanted to do my entire life um, is Mm -hmm. to foster, not necessarily adopt, but to foster. And I still plan on someday doing it. um, But I want to foster teens. Okay. Since they are the hardest age group of kids to get placed in foster homes right um so with that my kids are still a little younger so I want to wait till they're just a little older and have a better grasp and understanding of everything and trauma um before I go through that process with wanting teens in my home right yeah I've thought about that too because I feel like and you know even my family like when we started doing it my mom and I were like oh we want a baby so bad like you know Mm -hmm. Everybody wants a little, a little child, but it is hard because I've done some uh, projects for school, and I remember doing. Um, uh, I was in a data analyst class, and I chose like foster care in the U.S. to study, and it's just crazy. Like hundreds of thousands of children in our country alone, you know, are in and out of foster care all the time, and a good majority of them that you know either age out or don't find home are teens which makes me really sad it is um i don't know about every state but in west virginia um it is harder to find a foster home to take an older child Mm -hmm. and an older child is considered seven to eight years and older oh wow i feel like that's so young it is um and most people whenever i tell them that they think of you know like teenagers 13 up and i'm like no seven to eight years is considered an older child Wow. Unless they come with a smaller, younger sibling, um, it's it's a lot harder to place them. Yeah. Do you work with group homes too, or is are you mostly just working with like foster homes? Um, I specifically just work with foster homes. The agency I work for, though, does own and operate, um, I believe, eight or nine emergency children's shelters across the state. Okay, that's awesome. What would you tell those thinking about foster care? I would tell them that you need to think long and hard about it. Fostering is an amazing experience, Mm -hmm. but 
it is life changing. Um, one thing we tell a lot of our incoming families in their training is foster care is about giving a child a home, right. not giving your family a child. Adoption is giving your family a child. Right. Um, you know, the first and ultimate goal, like I said earlier, of foster care is that reunification with their biological family. Right. And the biggest thing I hear from people thinking about fostering or those coming through the process to become foster parents is they worry about getting too attached to kids coming in their home to have them leave. Yeah. And I always tell them, do it. Mm -hmm. They, these kids need you to get too attached. Right. They need to see that love, that support, that stability. Um, You know, oftentimes I have a handful of kids that I have been their only constant in the past two years. They've right. gone through multiple foster homes, multiple CPS workers. Um, you know, unfortunately, their biological parents were hit and miss on everything. And I, I've been that constant for that child. Mm-hmm. And I will never take it for granted. And it is a wonderful experience for yourself, for your family, and for your children to love a child mm-hmm. who is not yours. Right. That was great advice. You were... Were you Ryan's boy's caseworker? I was. Okay. That's so awesome. We just, I interviewed him as well. Um, his boys are so sweet. So They, so are, sweet. they were actually um, my very first case to start out after I started with CHS. No way. Uh, yeah. I'd, I'd inherited a few cases from um, the position I took on for the girl that had moved to a different position, mm-hmm. but they were my very first on my own um, from the very start. So their adoption, um, was a very bittersweet moment to me because those boys have always held a place in my heart. Right. And that was so recent. That was July 11th or something. I think he said, yes, it was, it was in July. Um, I, I was a bit of a hot mess. Um, I've done multiple adoption hearings and adoption cases before theirs, Mm -hmm. but again, with, you know, getting the getting to attached fear, those, all the kids come on my case, you know, they, they put their claws in my heart and I do get attached, you know, on that professional level, but also that it's a child that needs someone. Right. And being able to watch them grow and thrive Mm -hmm. and come out of their shells and at the adoption hearing them knowing and understanding what was going on and the finality of it. There's just, it's an amazing feeling. Right. Yeah. Jesse and Ryan are awesome. And I'm really, really glad that they ended up doing this because, you know, Ryan has known my family for years now. So he, before he even was, I guess he's probably thinking about foster care, but you know, before it was like a thing that he was going to do, he saw how it worked with like my family, you know? So he's cried on the phone with my mom so many nights, you know, which I think is awesome too. Like, having a community like of people that are also going through the same thing you are. Yes. It takes a village. Uh Uh In your agency specifically, do you all have like activities or events for the kids in the system that you like preside over to like mingle and connect? 
We do. Um, COVID really kind of put a stop to all the in-person stuff, you know, for a long time. So we are just starting to really get back to be able to do everything in person. Um, We do a foster parent training support group night, um, typically once a month. And, you know, they they bring all the kids, their foster kids, their adopted kids, their biological kids. Um, and we do childcare, we have dinner, we do a craft and stuff with the kids while the parents do a training that can go towards their, you know, yearly um, continuing education credits they need to stay licensed, as well as connect with each other and talk and get that support. Um, we also try to do a lot of fun holiday stuff for our kids each year. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't even, I think that I was just really young when we started doing this and we, when did we get my siblings? Uh, it wasn't super long after we started. They were our second group of kids. We had two, uh, two little, a girl and a boy and they were one and a half and three and we had them for like three days and they got sent back, you know, they got reunified with their family. And at the time I was, I was so young and didn't know what was going on. So I was like, well, they just got, you know, taken and put into the system. Why are they already going back? Like, and I was scared for them. And then we got the call for my now brother and sister um, the same day that that happened. And <laughs> my mom was like, you know, my daughter is... 11 and she's not okay we're just gonna like take a beat and then we'll you know and then a month later they called for my brother only and after hearing their story my mom was like well wasn't there uh didn't he have a sister and they were like yeah well she's you know they were bouncing around homes because she was kind of a terror at that point um and my mom was like no like you know they've already gone through a lot like let's keep them together and so we did and then that was it. We had them for like three and a half years and we adopted them. So yeah. And I'm, I'm not sure how every foster agency works. Of course. I mean, every agency has different ways they do stuff. Um, But one thing I love with our agency with, you know, a foster family coming in, if they have kids of their own is during that process of opening up their home, we also talk and interview and work with their own kids of, you know, seeing, based on their age, know what they understand or how they feel about it and help address all of that. And in all the homes I work in, if they have other kids in the home, I'm not just there to see the kids in care on my caseload. I'm involved with them in their lives and building that rapport and relationship with them as well. Right. Yeah. I, I don't remember anything like that happening for me. And so either maybe that agency didn't do the stuff that you guys did or my mom didn't like take advantage of it, which I feel like she would have. So maybe our agency just didn't do it. Um, But I think I would have benefited a lot from that. Definitely. I'm glad that your agency does that. Yeah, we 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 um, are on the approach of when you become one of our families, you're our family for life, whether you stay open forever whether you just foster and close your home, if you adopt and then close your home, um, you know, you can always reach out to us, call us if you need help, you need support, you need guidance, you need hooked up with resources for anything. Like we want to be there to support our families as long as they may ever need it. Right. That's awesome. Okay. Last question. If you had the power to change your biggest issue 
with the foster system, either from your end or, you know, from a different aspect like CPS or like um, the homes, just anything, what would it be and why? You know, that's a really difficult question. Yeah. Hmm. Ryan said he wanted his voice as a foster parent to be more heard. I, that, that is a very Ryan answer. And that is a big thing. You know, there, there's so many things with the system that need worked on. And I'm not sure that I could change just one thing. I think that really, if the whole system could be reformed in a way to be more beneficial for every party involved, it would be the best outcome for everyone. Well, do you have anything else you want to add? Any other experiences or stories? I'm not sure offhand. I mean, it's it's never boring. And there's some days, like with any job, that you love it. And other days you ask yourself why. Right. But um, there there is no other part of social work that I think I will ever work in and be a part of because working with this vulnerable population is where empathetic, passionate social workers are needed the most. Right. If you wanted more information on Kim or her line of work, I have her information and extra resources linked in the description. Don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram at Fostered Hope Podcast and Fostered Hope on Facebook. We'll be back next Monday with another episode. Do something kind for someone this week.